So, you know, the fact that we're new technology, we have very low what's called tech debt. You know, our tech debt is measured in weeks, not, you know, months or years, decades in some cases with some of these older companies. And we think that really is an added advantage for us. You know, with RBC Black, they've certainly taken advantage of the, those functions. They white label and, you know, they've taken advantage of specific pieces of third-party integration that they want to offer their advisors. When Alex Sawicki took over as the CEO of Circle Black from his mentor and friend, John Michael, he was determined to continue the legacy that John built. By investing in new technology products, Alex's plans are to expand Circle Black's presence in the RIA market and become the leading provider of integration and data services. I spoke to Alex about Circle Black's new API-based data platform, their aggregator of aggregators technology, and a whole lot more on this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. Episode 92 of the Wealth Tech Today podcast. I'm your host, Craig Eskowitz, the founder and CEO of Ezra Group Consulting. If you work for an enterprise wealth management firm, an asset manager, an RIA aggregator, or at one of the many technology vendors in our space, then Ezra Group can help you make better business and technology decisions. Please come take a look at our products and services at our website, EzraGroupLLC.com. This podcast features interviews, news, and analysis on the trends and best practices all around the wealth management technology industry. A couple of housekeeping tasks before I forget. Please be sure to subscribe to the show wherever you listen to podcasts so you don't miss any future episodes. And now on with the interview. I am very happy to introduce my guest for this episode of the Wealth Tech Today podcast is Alex Swicky, CEO of Circle Black. Alex, hey, welcome to the program. Thanks, Greg. Uh, really, really great to be here, Craig. I'm glad you can make it. Um, this is actually going to be our 92nd episode. So um, I'm glad we could squeeze you in before 100 because that'll be a big milestone. I'm, I'm glad we got you in, <laughs> in before that. And I wanted to, yeah. um, I really feel like we, we were talking earlier about some of the things we were going to discuss on the podcast. So I want to, I'm going to spend a little bit of extra time going into what Circle Black is. But first, if you can just give the 30-second the overview of Circle Black. Yeah, you know, Circle Black is uh, what we believe the, the unified best-of-breed uh, advisor platform. Uh, you know, we've been compared to your traditional all-in-one uh, in that we, we do offer a lot of the uh, different uh, verticals of functionality within the traditional all-in-one uh, including CRM uh, integration, uh, financial planning, risk and compliance. Um, the difference that uh, we think is that uh, we offer it uh, in terms of the ability to give you the third-party applications that you use every day integrated within our platform. Uh, your traditional all-in-one typically is more of a one-stop shop. You go there, you get a lot of those same functions, but you get theirs. You get the ones that they have, whether they built them themselves or uh, they've made them their own by way of acquisition. Uh, our model is a little different in that we provide you a basic platform with what we consider sort of table stake uh, pieces of functionality like portfolio management and performance reporting, 
but then uh, we offer you really the ones that you use uh, the most like uh, for CRM, uh, for example, we have uh, Salesforce, Wealthbox, and, and Redtail as integration partners. So that, that's really the big difference is we're more of a unified platform than we are an all-in-one. Yeah, I spend a lot of time explaining what, what CircleBike does to people, uh, or do, what CircleBike does when people ask me about it, because you're kind of a very different breed of company that I feel in the market that most firms saying, here's what we do, and, and we also do integration, but it seems like your product and your, your core focus has always been, we are integrators and we make things yeah. work better through our integrations. That's right. So can, you, can, you, can you elaborate a little bit on that, like specifically around like the RBC Black product and other, other, product, other platforms that have used your, your core technology as sort of the glue to hold their systems together? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, f first off, we're, we're a fairly new technology, so we're using the latest and, and greatest technologies, which you know, we think is an added advantage over some of the others out there in that um, you know, we have the ability to integrate quicker. Uh, you know, our typical integration partnership takes four to six weeks, not months or you know, years in some cases. Uh, we scale uh, much better, so we have the ability to support very large clients like RBC uh, clearing and custody, uh, which is, as you mentioned, is a client of ours. And, uh, you know, that, that integration is bi-directional, uh, which, you know, a lot can claim that they have integration, which means typically that they can frame up uh, the application within their platform. But our, our integration is bi-directional, meaning if you make a change within our platform, that change will be uh, in your Salesforce application, for example, when you go to it later, if you do. Uh, if you make a change in Salesforce, it bi-directionally updates within the platform. So you know, the fact that we're new technology, we have very low what's called tech debt. You know, our tech debt is measured in weeks, not you know, months or years uh, or decades in some cases uh, with, with some of these older companies. Uh, and we think that really is an added advantage uh, for us. You know, with RBC Black, you know, they've, they've certainly taken advantage of the, those functions. Uh, they white label uh, and, and why they, they've labeled it the way they have. And, you know, they've taken advantage of specific uh, uh, pieces of third uh, party integration that they want to offer their advisors. So they really have a choice. They can bundle it and offer a specific CRM, a specific risk. Uh, and compliance tool uh, and a specific planning tool, if, if that's how they want to roll it out. Or a uh, custodian like an RBC can also roll it out and allow the advisors uh, who are their uh, custody advisors or correspondents uh, to choose which, which bundles they want. Uh, very much like Roku. Uh, that, 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 that seems to be resonating when we do explain it. And you're, and you're right, sometimes it, it takes a little bit to explain it, but it, it seems like people get the Roku model. Uh, very similar to what you have in TV, and that you can uh, go in, get a platform, get some basic functionality that are table stakes within the Roku platform, and then add the channels, if you will, uh, that you want to choose, you know, not, not being forced to choose what your traditional cable companies like Comcast or, or Optimum might offer. It's a similar model here. Yeah, so let's expand on that because I'm not sure everyone knows what Roku is. And so, the, so Roku is a digital media player, but one of the reasons why Roku became popular was they were one of the first to basically bundle up streaming services in one place. Yeah. So you could get, the, yeah. and I think Netflix was the first one they did, which was, which was yeah. there a, a bit ahead of the curve. So they had that when no one else had it. So you, you needed, everyone got a Roku box if they wanted Netflix. 
uh, yeah. their house. And then Roku started becoming the place to go to get everything streamed to one place. Now there's, there's Hulu, there's lots of other services that are streaming multiple, uh, providing multiple streaming services. So you're looking at yourself as, as like a bundling solution for other services. Would that be a fair statement? Yeah, and, and you're right. I mean, just like Roku, when, when you first uh, open Roku and you, you log in, you, you get the Roku channel. So they, they give you some basic um, uh, programming and, and functionality, and you can stop there, right? Uh, the, the same applies with, with Circle Black. We provide you a platform, we provide you portfolio management, data consolidation of multiple custodians and third party data, uh, and uh, uh, performance reporting primarily. We have other features as well. Uh, but then if you also like Roku, if you want to add the Disney channel, uh, you know, you have a family, you want to add Disney, you add the Disney channel. Uh, you want to add Apple TV, you want to add Netflix, as you mentioned. Those are all your choices and they're your preference and everybody has different preferences, right? Uh, the same thing applies in Circle Black. You come in and you can then choose uh, which additional features you want to add. If uh, you need CRM, not everybody wants to use Salesforce. Uh, we have Salesforce integrated, uh, Redtail integrated, and Wealthbox integrated. And, uh, you know, as clients' needs uh, demand it, uh, we'll continue to add additional in that category alone. Risk and compliance, you know, you have one of, you know, as many as six to choose from. And, uh, you know, the same applies in all these other different verticals. But uh, very similar to Roku and that experience, uh, that, that's what you have with CircleBlack. I wanted to go back a little bit. And so before you were the CEO of Circle Black, you were president and COO of another really cool tech firm called Cyvantage. So are there some things you're bringing from your experience of Cyvantage? And I really like some of their products, like their, their client portal, their, their, their self-directed trading <coughs> tools that were, that were leveraged, were, were I think were industry yeah. leading. What are some of the things you learned at Cyvantage that you're using in your new role at uh, Circle Black? Yeah, probably the one big one is widgets. Uh, historically, Circle Black hasn't uh, had the capability uh, within its products to really uh, offer its services to some of the larger financial institutions. And the difference being that most of the larger financial institutions, like your, your bigger banks, for example, tend to have their own front end. They've created it themselves. They want their IT folks to handle all the changes. They really want to control that client experience. Um, so they're, they're really not looking for the full solution that historically uh, Circle Black has offered. So today we offer our front end, our client portal, uh, our advisor portal, and all the functionality embedded within those portals. And for the majority of our client base, that, that type of solution is needed. Um, however, with widgets, uh, we now will have the ability to offer pieces of functionality that those large financial institutions that own their front end can actually embed anywhere within their front end. Uh, so they're actually taking pieces of functionality. Uh, for example, if they wanted a uh, performance report, uh, a benchmark uh, graph that compared the portfolio results to the actual benchmark, they could literally just take that, that tile or widget and embed that anywhere within their, their platform. That's something we we're adding new this year. Uh, it is something we did at, at Cyvantage to your, your, your point about uh, the products there. And uh, we're re-architecting as we speak to offer that functionality as early as Q2 of this year. Is there specific function, uh, is there specific technology that um, the vendor or the, the vendor or client would need to plug into these widgets? Are they, are they universal? 
How, how do they work? Yeah, they're universal. And the, the uh, way we uh, expect to offer that is uh, within a develop, developer's uh, uh, lab or, or workshop, if you will, where we, we present a, uh, an area within our product that a developer can come in, find the specific widgets, understand what they need to do to write to it, and we'll provide all of that information, including documentation, that sort of thing. Um, so it, it should be fairly straightforward, uh, you know, for anyone who, who's used to doing this type of work. Uh, but we'll we'll set it up to make it easy to use and uh, something that you can again you can choose which ones you end up wanting to use now, where you want to put them, and you can always come back later and, and grab additional functionality to embed somewhere else. Excellent. So along with your your third party integrations and your your, your widgets and you know, the core of your platform. I know you're building out a data platform that will allow these integrations to plug in to what you might be calling a, a single sheet of glass or a, or a single you know, data access point, and you're building APIs around that. So can you talk about how that type of high quality data, the, the way you, you clean up and export your data um, and be able to provide it through APIs is going to be able to change the way firms are working now? Yeah. So you know, for, first and foremost, you know, our, our goal is to provide pristine data. Uh, you know, it, it doesn't make sense to have more data if it's mediocre, right? Uh, advisors would look, I think, would rather have less data and it be pristine than, than the opposite. Uh, so it, in addition to the amount of data that uh, we already consolidate and we expect to expand our breadth of data, uh, we're also uh, continuing to improve our overall data quality. Uh, so we're, we're taking steps, not only with putting people around it, but uh, systematic steps to proactively identify and resolve and reconcile data uh, in a way that uh, we haven't done in, a pa in the past. And, you know, we're really taking it to the, the next level. And then with respect to access to it, uh, our expectations are that uh, you can consume that data, obviously, through our platform, uh, which the majority of our, our clients do today. Uh, but we also expect to be able to provide that data uh, either through APIs or through um, uh, even uh, somewhat of a, uh, an older technology with, with exported data where we would provide it in a flat file format uh, where users could then uh, you reuse that consolidated clean data uh, downstream in other, in other systems. So if you needed to uh, receive that data uh, and um, put it in your own compliance tool. You have a proprietary compliance tool if you're a large uh, banker or broker dealer. Uh, we will we will provide that ability to uh, uh, get that data and use that that golden copy of data, if you will, throughout other platforms and systems uh, that you might have internally. Yeah, I think that could be revolutionary, and it's something that a lot of firms don't realize is when you're bringing in. They, th they think, well, let's just bring in outside data. Let's bring in aggregated data, for example, and we'll have it. They'll be great. They don't realize that a lot of it isn't clean. A lot of it is, you know, isn't up to date. They may be bringing in data, That's but right. you're bringing it from thousands of sources, and they all have different standards as to what clean means. That's that's right. Hey, I want to take a break from this episode to talk about one of my favorite charities, the Invest in Others Charitable Foundation. Invest in Others is a nonprofit that supports and empowers financial advisors who give back to their communities with overwhelming generosity. Now in its 15th year, 
Invest in Others has raised and distributed millions of dollars to worthy charities that are run by or assisted by financial advisors both in the U.S. and abroad. The Invest in Others Foundation is kicking off 2021 with a restock of the shelves campaign. This past year, demand for food from nonprofits was at an all-time high. Last year, more than 50 million people experienced food insecurity. Now that the holiday season has ended, supplies at many food banks and shelters have dropped, but demand has not. To help restock the shelves, Invest in Others will award grants of up to $20,000 to nonprofits who are fighting hunger in their communities. If you work in the financial services industry and also volunteer for a 501c3 nonprofit that's in need of food items, apply for a grant from the Invest in Others Foundation on its behalf. They want to help you restock the shelves in your community this January. Applications will be accepted now through Friday, February 5th at investinothers.org forward slash grants. So if you want to put your uh, 501c3 nonprofit's name in for a grant of up to $20,000, please go to investinothers.org forward slash grants. Right, so talking about your data, and, I, and I've talked about this with, uh, with you guys a lot. I mean, when it comes to data aggregation, you don't just bring in one data aggregator. You bring in a bunch of data aggregators and you aggregate the aggregators and provide a, a consolidated feed. Can you explain a little bit about how that works? Yeah, so we have uh, feeds that we've developed for uh, the major custodians. Uh, we are multi-custodian, uh, which uh, is, is, I think, a, an advantage. Not everybody is in that uh, we can bring in data from multiple custodians, especially if you clear multiple custodians. Uh, and then uh, we also have feeds to DST Fan Mail, Dazzle, uh, and other uh, third-party uh, uh, data aggregators. And to your point about data quality, you know, each one of them uh, could have various reasons for anomalies in their data, including operational. You know, it could be simply an operational issue or a human error. Uh, so we have to account for all of those. And you know, when you're bringing in millions of accounts daily, um, hundreds of millions of transactions uh, and, and pieces of data, including you know, things like prices, uh, you know, it, it's, it's a lot. And uh, you, know, to, you really need somebody that you can trust to be on top of that, to be proactive, uh, to account for things like corporate actions, uh, which you know, if, if, if you spend any time there, those in themselves can be quirky if it's a a split or a, uh, a spinoff, uh, for example, uh, those tend to be a, a little problematic in our business. Uh, but uh, you know, if we're if we're doing what we're supposed to do across that, it should be fairly seamless, and we do it every night. Uh, so you know, we're doing it overnight typically uh, in in a combination of uh, flat files and APIs, and uh, you know, we make sense out of it, and hopefully have it ready to go long before the market opens the uh, the next day. I was reading that you have a patent pending on your multiple data aggregation. Is that, is that still true? Or did you get that patent yet? It's still, it's still pending. Yeah. We're, we're, we're hoping to get that through, but uh, it, those things, those things seem to take a long time. So uh, ho hopefully that, and we, we have, we may have some others in the future. We'll see. I also have some notes here that you, one of the unique things about your data aggregation solution um, whereas most companies can't do accurate reporting on held away accounts because the data isn't clean and it's not transaction level clean. Whereas you, 
um, build a brokerage accounting platform for each client to track every account and perform recon on it. Is that, was that, is that a true statement? That's, that's true. Um, you know, that, that area it, admittedly uh, always has some uh, concerns and it really depends on the, the technology of uh, the partner that uh, we're integrating with Yodely being one that's, you know, very well known. Uh, but, you know, it's a, that is a challenging uh, a piece of technology and a challenging way to, to bring in data. Uh, you know, it started out, as I'm sure you know, as more of a screen scraping uh, type of function. And the, the, historically, the problem with that has always been if the financial institution that the client uh, uh, enabled within that product changed their screen in any way, it, it broke the connection. Um, we're seeing challenges there now with MFA, with multi-factor authentication uh, being so widely rolled out right now uh, that, you know, while the security is important, without a doubt, uh, that MFA and that extra step uh, seems to be causing some problems in that area. So it's something we're working with uh, our partners on and looking to ensure that we keep the, uh, the client experience uh, good in addition to the uh, data quality as clean as we can, you know, we can participate in making it. Yeah, it's more important than a lot of firms realize, especially from an independent yeah. provider such as yourself, that you, you're not in the data aggregation game on your own. You're just bringing in these other vendors and providing an objective viewpoint. Here's what we think is the best data. We're bringing in from right. Yodely and Quovo and by all accounts and, and, and these other firms, as you mentioned, and we're providing you yeah. with the best feed from across all of those. So why would that be important? Why not just pick one and, and use the data from one of them? Why is it important to bring it in from across all of these different vendors? Well, like, like everything else on our platform, uh, a lot of it's, it's, it's preference, you know, uh, each, each product has uh, their own different nuances and, and features that clients like uh, some better than others, uh, whether it's user experience for financial institutions that they can add uh, via one versus the other. Uh, and again, you know, we're, we're, from our perspective, we're indifferent to which uh, product that a client chooses. Uh, we, we look at any partner that we choose uh, needs to be value add uh, to our platform. Uh, they need to be around, right? We, we, we definitely don't want to integrate with a partner that may go away at some point and, and cause disruption to our user base. Uh, but we, we look at different aspects of all partnerships, including this, this area, uh, where we first determine what's the client need, what are clients using, um, and then uh, we're also looking at different options. Uh, there may be a quote higher end option within a particular space. For example, you, you may see Salesforce as the high end option within CRM, uh, and another CRM as as more of a um, more inexpensive, less feature rich option. And and that's okay. You know, we have clients that may want the super feature rich option of Salesforce, and maybe just something basic for uh, uh, client management and contact management on, on a product that's a, a little less feature rich and maybe a little less inexpensive, you know, a li little less expensive. So, you know, we, we think about those things when we consider any partnership uh, in any one of those verticals. And, uh, you know, we'll, we'll continue to let clients drive it. And uh, we expect to, to expand our number of partnerships and integrations uh, fairly dramatically this year uh, and going forward. I think we spoke earlier, you said that you were adding Adapar this year. Is that, is that still going to happen? 
Yeah, that that is started. Uh, so we're adding Adapara as a data feed, uh, very similar to what we do with the custodian and, and third-party uh, data, data, data aggregator feeds. Um, we just finished uh, uh, Black Diamond as, as a feed. So where some may view uh, both Black Diamond and Adapar as a competitor, uh, we, we embraced it. Uh, if, you, if you decide that your data aggregation through a Black Diamond or an Adapar is the way you want to go, and, and maybe you've been working with them for a couple of years, but um, you see other features that you need uh, from the Circle Black platform uh, for things most notably like our investor portal, uh, we can take that data feed in, keep it consistent, meaning it's that's kind of your golden copy of data that you use within those platforms. We'll take the same feed in, load it into our platform, and then you can take advantage of features within our platform like the investor portal. Those two vendors you just mentioned are very different in terms of the data they provide. Adapar is their strength mm -hmm. is illiquid assets, private partnerships, uh, limited partnerships, private equity, and those types yeah. of things. Whereas Black Diamond is more of a consumer focused, mass affluent type of product. So how would right. a, a firm use those data feeds? Is, is that just prefer performance reporting or are there, are there other ways that they, those feeds can be used through your product? Uh, well, pr primarily through performance reporting and that includes uh, you know, basic householding uh, type of accounts. Uh, but uh, you know, where we can provide performance on the data, uh, we will whether it's provided to us in the feed, which we, we can take in uh, data that's already been reconciled and performance added to it, uh, or we can perform uh, performance on the data uh, ourselves. And it's really just about, like you said, the differences in the underlying data and what ultimately we would need to do to add to it. Uh, so if you know, we're not getting performance from a, a particular provider, uh, we'll, we'll be able to calculate that performance. If in fact performance is provided, We'll take it in and we'll display that uh, as a result. So uh, th there's there's various ways that we we can extract and load and present data. Uh, it really just depends on the feed, and 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 that's that's not just Black Diamond or Adapar. It's really across the the entire uh, database. I mean, really, whatever whatever the data is come, whatever form the data is coming in, we have to consider it and and uh, uh, in a lot of cases make adjustments to our own feeds. Uh, to uh, to account for it appropriately. I think that's something else that differentiates you from a data aggregation vendor, in that you bring in the the cash flows and transactions mm -hmm. so that you can run that's performance. Right. As opposed, most right. vendors they're just doing holdings, just positions, which is what you see normally yeah. on a Heldway account on a client portal. Here's what you have, mm -hmm. but they don't run performance on that. So that, that gives you a bit of an advantage. So how would firms uh, take advantage of that? So for example, could, would it be help me for doing consolidated reporting? So if I'm using multiple systems, but I want to report it on one statement, would your feeds help that? Oh, with, without a doubt. In fact, I, I'd say that's sort of the secret sauce, our, our backend and our, our data consolidation. Uh, it really is going out to all of these disparate data sources and understanding the firm, the advisor, and the investor relationship, and all of the accounts and transactions that go along with that. So you know, you, and you're doing it in you know massive, massive quantities, right? Hundreds of millions of transactions, you know, millions and millions of accounts, 
and you know, and, and across multiple uh, client bases and, and sources. So the ability to bring that in, make sense out of it, create the relationship across again all of these different data sources is really uh, key to what we do. In fact, I, I I call that probably the biggest value add that we have. It it all really starts there, and of course, then making that making sure that that data is is in really good shape, you know, uh, you know virtually pristine. Uh, is really what we strive for. And uh, really everything else that comes with it starts there. So you, you're really not gonna, you're not gonna love your performance reports if the underlying data isn't in good shape. Uh, so the fact that we can do that and get that right is really key to everything else. This is a problem we've seen with a lot of firms that we work with where they don't understand the, the complexities of the data. Either they're trying to convert data from another vendor and think it's gonna be easy They'll just move it over and it won't be a problem. They wind up spending weeks or months cleaning the data because they've messed up the performance, yeah. especially for uh, firms that have 10 or 20 or even longer year relationships with clients. That's a lot of data. And if you yeah. mess up that data or it's not calculated correctly, it could take a long time to, to fix. So, I mean, I've heard some firms talk about, well, we don't do daily, but we'll do monthly. But then if you try to do a report intra-month or between certain days of the month, you can't because you've, you've dumped all that data. So is that something yeah. you provide, you know, how would a firm work with you if they wanted to do that and wanted to get their performance reporting from multiple places using your technology? Yeah, so, so that occurs today in that different data providers uh, provide uh, on different time schedules. Uh, so uh, for example, DST FanMail uh, provides monthly position files. Uh, rather than weekly or in some, you know, in some cases, even daily positions uh, from certain providers, you know, having both transactions and positions makes it, uh, you know, much easier to confirm the data quality. You're comparing all the transactions that you've added up since the last position file against the most current position file. So in the case of a, a provider that, that does it on a monthly basis, um, we, we have to do the calculations based on getting the transactions correct. Uh, so we'll get a position file at the, you know, the end of February. Um, everything that happens on a transaction basis then would need to be calculated. All the buys and sells that came in on you know, what was 100 shares of IBM at the end of the month should add to 200 shares of IBM if we did it correctly. And then the position file that came in at the end of the month should confirm that. So it's important that we actually get all of that data in between correctly when you see less frequent uh, position files to confirm it against. So that, that's, a, that's a, an example of where we really have to be good at what we do uh, and, uh, and take steps to, uh, to, to help make the data uh, as good as it can be. Alex, would you mind if I asked you about John Michael? No, not at all. Okay. So Alex, um, you took over Circle Black as a CEO after the, the death of their longtime, uh, their founder and CEO, John Michael. Can you talk a little bit yeah. about the legacy that John left in, in you know, building the firm to the, to the state it was in when you took it over and, and how that sort of changed the way the industry is going? Yeah, well, you know, uh, you, you may not know, but, uh, you know, I, I actually knew John Michael, uh, you know, and he, he was a, uh, you know, really a, a behemoth in this, in this space, uh, uh, literally, <laughs> you know, he was a big man and, uh, he, uh, when he entered a room, you knew it. Um, I, I was lucky enough to actually work with John back in the nineties at Merrill Lynch. 
Uh, and uh, you know, it's 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 a crazy thing how small this this financial services industry is that we work in. Uh, you know, John and I worked together on a project that was his idea back in the '90s, and uh, it, it grew into what is now called Merrill Edge. Uh, it was his idea. I was actually hired to execute on that idea and build it. Uh, so it's not lost on me that here, you know, we are 20, 25 years later, and uh, I'm, I'm sort of doing the same thing uh, again. And it, it just just by pure coincidence, you know, it, it really is something to, to when you think about it. Um, you know, what John left, though, was a great company and a great product. You know, when I was uh, first asked to uh, uh, interview with Circle Black, uh, what really grabbed my attention uh, right away was it's a it's a product that solves a problem. Uh, and anytime you have that, you, you're you're in pretty good shape. And uh, not only does it solve a problem, it solves a problem better than most. Uh, the, the fact that he left a, a, a product that is so uh, open in its integration, uh, its ability to uh, work with partners and integration partners in a, a quick way. I mean, weeks, you know, four to six weeks for an integration with a, a, a world-class third party uh, is, is unheard of. Frankly, you know, and, and and I've been I've been doing this for a long time, and and uh, to to really see that that ease of integration uh, and, and you know the the client experience that it creates is is really something. So, you know, he not only left me um, a good company to work with, he left me a great group of people uh, to work with. Uh, all the folks that were here when I got here are still here, uh, which is a testament to uh, the folks that uh, John surrounded himself with. And uh, they all have uh, a lot of passion uh, for this company. And uh, I, I hope they see I've embraced that passion as well. And uh, we've done a lot of good things in the first six months since I've been here. But uh, I really feel like we're just getting started. Yeah, I was lucky to meet uh, John as well. And I, uh, I knew him for a while and I interviewed him on my podcast. He was one of my first uh, winners of Wealth Tech. So I did a whole like an hour long interview just on him. You know how he got to the industry. You know, starting at Merrill and you know his time at West Point, and so it was really interesting to to hear because you don't really, you don't really learn this stuff when you just read the news about people or you just meet him at a conference. So being able to spend the time to really get into who he was as a person, how he got this way, who were who were his influences, I thought was was, was a really valuable, and I was uh, lucky to to have the time to talk to him. And I was lucky to have the time to talk to you, and appreciate you spending the time to talk to us here on the podcast and uh, and share all this with us. My pleasure. And I'd, I'd love to come back sometime. I have a, another 20 questions to ask you that we didn't get to, Alex. So we'll definitely have you back on. Thanks so much. Great. Thank you. Fred. Hey, it's Craig again. So my three takeaways from this interview are uh, I'm really looking forward to the data platform, uh, API-based data platform that Circle Black is building. I really feel that the different silos that financial uh, advisory data is always uh, broken out into uh, CRM, financial planning, wealth management, or other portfolio management, portfolio accounting, uh, performance reporting, everything's a separate silo it really isn't efficient or effective. And it's just sort of the way we've always done things. So I'm always looking for vendors that have unique ways of bringing all the data together into either some sort of data lake or the type of data, um, a centralized data uh, uh, storage 
process. So I think uh, Circle Black's got uh, some good technology there that can make a difference. Uh, I'm always interested in data aggregation, especially since there really isn't a very good way to measure, as I mentioned, data aggregation vendors, who's the best and why. It's all anecdotal. Uh, we get it from our interviews with different vendors and working with different different platforms. We sort of get a feel for which vendors are are better in what areas, but there's no real statistics or 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 objective viewpoint. So I'm always looking to talk to different vendors, especially Circle Black, because they bring in so many different feeds and uh, aggregate the aggregators, and they have, they have a really good view across all the different platforms. So that's the end of this episode. As I said, please go to our website, EzraGroupLLC.com, and subscribe to our newsletter, and keep an eye out for uh, webinars we have uh, we're going to have a couple of webinars going this year. So please keep an eye out for that and register for them when you see them on our website. You can follow me at, on social media on Twitter at Craig Iskowitz. And I'll see you all again next time.